You're listening to the Mike Salt Show. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle's Sports Station. Our Jerry DePoto Show. Presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment. On Seattle's Sports Station. Will join us in a few minutes. <laughs> We're waiting on Jerry. That's okay. That's not Jerry. supposed to happen like that. That's all right. Hey, right you know, with it. Things, things happen. This uh, texter says, uh, Morris, hey, Salk, you might want to check your brake lines on your car before you go home. Sounds like Morris is very angry with you. So, wow. Yeah, maybe that's why uh, we had a little something fire like yeah, that. I don't know. That that feels a I little much. Never. Yeah. No, Morris is very innocent, obviously. The tone in that, I would never. <laughs> right. Tells me that I would should check my brake lines. Here's uh, the problem. I, like to, I mean, I like to tease you a little bit. I'm not cutting people's brake lines. My goodness. Here's the problem. If anyone thinks that I have the ability to even find where the <laughs> Brake line is in my car. You have not listened yeah. to me for very long. Hey, What's Justin, the brake line? You're like you're going to see a lot of hydraulic fluid all over the place if that happens. Oh well, I would definitely recognize it as hydraulic fluid. Yeah, because I know exactly it. what that looks like yeah. compared to you know oil or anything else. Well, the thing is, I wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't either. Brake line yeah. either. Laura <laughs> and I would have to go to Justin together and be like, "Hey, can you help us cut the brakes here? <laughs> How do we do this?" Hey, Justin, can you help me cut those brake line? Hey, hey Justin, can no, you help just... me check if Mora cut my brake? I'm too innocent and nice enough to do it. Like, yeah, I would tell him. Right. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're too nice to do it, but too nice to say no. Yeah. So yeah, all it's right. A blessing and a curse. Anyway, Jer- Jerry will be with, with us here in uh, in a couple of minutes, and looking forward to that. Uh, I have a I had a poll up this morning because I'm getting all this grief. My buddies are coming in town, and uh, and they were giving me grief for grocery shopping. And then somebody else is saying that in the Northwest we pronounce it grocery, which, grocery with a C with like an S H. I guess that's kind of how I said a grocery. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Anyway, the grocery store. The grocery store, but um, I like I like going to the store. I don't like the whole Instacart thing. Forget all that. All right, let's talk to Jerry. Jerry is finally with us. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good morning. I too like to go to the store. Uh, don't you like the whole Instacart thing? I don't mind it for other shopping, but for 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 food, what, were you going to let somebody choose your apples for you or something? There's no chance. There's a, I, I do enjoy walking through the the aisles of the supermarket. What percentage of time you go to the supermarket does somebody say to you something about the team? 100% of the time. It is, uh, it, mostly because I go to the same supermarket and I've been going there for, you know, for now going on seven years and there are a lot of great Mariners fans that, uh, that work there. And the most common thought is what about the lineup pitching staff? Like what, what do people comment on most often? I, most of the time, it's excitement over what's happening or, or a trade we just made or a signing that, that just happened. You know, occasionally it'd be the, the uh, really rough one last night. But nobody's leveling, you know, heavy criticism at the grocery store. <laughs> That's good. That's not the place for it. Not over, uh, you know, salad bar or anything like that. Um, I don't think it's a time for heavy criticism, but it does kind of feel like the the team's kind of almost like revving in neutral a little bit right now. What, what can we do to, to get this team kind of unstuck maybe is the word. You know, I, I think that's a great way of putting it. It's just, it, we're, it's an idol. It feels like we're idling and, you know, really in the second half we've, we've played 500 ish ball and, and you know, it's, that's perfectly reasonable over a long season and, and through a sample size, this team's been really good for three months and, and really, particularly for the last five games, it feels like we are we are moving slowly, and, and that could be any number of reasons. You know, the high emotion coming out of the Yankees series. It could be just the natural ebbs and flows of the season. But we need to get back to doing the little things that we've that we've 
done so well through the course of the season that, that win us games and, and that, frankly, we just haven't done for the last week or so. Yeah, and and as you kind of look through that lineup, I mean, it does seem like it's been more the bats, right, than than the arm. Certainly yesterday was an example. And, you know, having Ty France, the guy who's been your most consistent hitter, struggle like he has, what do you think's going on? Uh, it, it, it certainly hurts. It, it makes it difficult to put together rallies when you have you know one or multiple hitters in your lineup particularly guys that that you go to in in the big situations or that wind up coming up there with traffic and and uh you know they're not trying to make outs it's a hard game and uh, it's a they're aware that they're struggling and, and i know ty in particular is, is aware that it's been a, a rough run for him but you know, this is kind of how a baseball season goes. And you don't go three for every 10. And that, that's the, the best way I can put it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to go six for 10, and then you'll go for your next 10. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique feeling, the long season. And, and uh, try not to get caught up too much in the day-to-day. But, you know, sure would be uh, a, a kick in the, in, in, the, in the shorts for us if we get these guys going a little bit. It's got to be frustrating in your position, especially now this time of year. I mean, I think of a football coach who, if somebody's struggling, they can design a play or something like that. A manager's frustrated because they can't go hit for somebody, but they can find a way to get him a fastball here and there, move him into a certain spot in the order, et cetera. From your perspective, is there anything you can do to spark a team? There really isn't. And I, you know, I think from a managerial standpoint, and you'll see Scott do it where, you know, you try to play some small ball, you might get runners on the move. It's, you know, you will, and you saw it yesterday, you will start to, to adjust when you know you're playing tight games, you know, for instance, yesterday when we're down one, nothing, and, you know, we draw the infield in, I think it was in the third inning with George Kirby on the mound. That's a, that's probably not the situation you want to want to be in where you feel like a, another run mm-hmm. is, is uh, that damaging that early in a game. But uh, that's, that's right now how it feels and, and you adjust and just as easily as we fell into this rut, you know, we will get back out. It's uh, it's, it's funny how it works. And, I, I don't know what we can do. We can go tell the hitters, hey, get more hits. <laughs> it's just not that easy. Yeah. And uh, and when you're not hitting, it appears that everything's moving slowly because there's just less action. And, and that's the, the, the mode we're in right now. I was noticing, and and I'm no statistical genius or anything close to it, but I, you know, just felt like a lot of your home, a lot of your runs were coming via the home run, and so I, I couldn't seem to figure out how to find that percentages, but somebody online was nice enough to do it. Our friend Luke Arkins, and uh, it, you guys are top five or six in the league in terms of the percentage of runs that have come via the home run, and around league average in terms of hitting home runs. How, is that a team that is that is too reliant on the home run? Are there ways to sort of expand the, your scoring options through strategy? Through I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, but it just sort of was something that jumped out to me yesterday. No, and it, the, this may sound a little kooky, but I think why that is you know, the case is because we walk a lot. And as a, you know, we are, you know, we are an average-ish uh, home run hitting team. We do have uh, a, I guess, a, a heavier percentage of our runs that come via the home run. And I think that's because we are good at, at drawing walks. So therefore, you know, many of those home runs are, you know, multi-run homers. And, you know, we're, we are, you know, not 
one of the the best you know hit for average teams in the league therefore a lot of the damage we're doing is you know when we create rallies it almost always centers around walks Mm. and you know if if we have those those two run four run innings if we have multi-run homers you know it's it's so often you know it's driven by uh, by we churn out a 20 25 pitch inning against another pitcher and you know somewhere there's a walk in there maybe there's a, a single and and then bam you know Gino hits one out of the park Julio hits one out of the park and 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 we're on the board two runs three runs score that way you know but it doesn't happen very often for us with three or four hits that are strung together more frequently for us it, it's happening via long innings with good at bats that result in you know a walk or two and that's where our crooked numbers come from so so in order to play that style and make it sustainable right you you have to believe that walking is a skill right that you can that you can draw a walk off of anybody in any at any time because a hit in theory you can you could just get even off a, a pitcher throwing strikes walking has to become a skill at that point right I think it's the walking for us, you know, has become a skill. Mm. We're, we're good at it. We find players that are good at it. But I guess more importantly, when you're facing the best pitchers in the league who are less likely to pile up walks, you know, what our skill in that area does is it drives pitch count. And, you know, it, it shortens the outing for, for that pitcher. And more often you wind up getting in a bullpen where you might find your walks. And, it's uh, that's where, you know, the, the grind comes from. And, and if you go back and look at, you know, at the, the really productive offenses of the last 20 years, it's, it's a skill that those offenses often possess is, is the ability to drive pitch count, draw your walks. And, and you know, it's, it's why we stress so much dominating the strike zone. It's so that when all those things come together and that opportunity for the two or three run homer comes up, you, you're, you're ready for it. It also seems like it's the only weakness in bullpens these days, right? I mean, it used to be you know, sort of early 2000s-ish, right? Take as many pitches as you can, get the starter out, and then feast on the weak bullpens. Now, obviously, the bullpens, everybody's throwing 100 miles an hour with a slider. But it, it does feel as if their one weakness is that they'll walk guys. Yeah, and it's part of the trade-off that you give for the strikeout is you're going to get a few extra walks. Right. And, you know, it's the thing I, I love most about our bullpen is that we, we somehow we do a, a, a good job of managing that. We, we do pile up the strikeouts, and, and we don't frequently give away the walks. But I think as important in, in, in managing the strike zone that way is making sure that, that each at bat has a purpose, that every pitch you're trying to grind and, and put yourself yesterday. I mean, we are, we're a couple of feet away from winning that game because of a couple of walks and then long flyouts by Mitch and by Cal. And, you know, it's a, they just missed those balls, but strategically we're doing the thing, you know, that we do, we, we get on base, we find that runner and, and then here comes the bomb. And, and unfortunately the, the bomb was just a couple of feet short and, and we'll, we'll live to see another one in day. I'm sure. Hey, uh, I saw some folks talking about exit velocity online the other day, and it, it made me wonder how you guys use tools like that. How, how when, when you take in a lot of that data, like like exit velocity on, on balls that guys hit or average exit velocity or whatever, how, what does that data do for you? How do you use it? Your two things. One, at the at the lower levels, at, at the amateur levels through the minor leagues, we're able to project raw power by looking at you know exit velocity, and you know and we've we've 
been able to to build that out or extrapolate that number based on the age of the player. You know, it could be a 16 year old in Latin America. It could be an 18 year old high school senior in Pennsylvania, or it could be a 21 year old college junior or any level of the minor leagues. And, and we'll have a good idea of what exit velocity, you know, effectively turns into in future raw power uh, at the, at the professional levels, especially, you know, the high minor leagues and at the big league level, you were building ex- expected outcomes. You know, if you hit the ball this hard, this should be the outcome. Uh, and we're much more inclined to evaluate players based on what they're doing physically rather than the outcome of, of that action. If that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to bet on, you know, what I would, I, yesterday's game is a great example. I would say, you know, the, the nationals yesterday experienced some Babbitt luck against George Kirby and, and they clustered him enough to, to pick up a run. But a lot of those balls weren't going to light you up. They were softly hit singles. And, and, uh, you know, we're more inclined to look at exit velocity and the expected outcome because over time that will play out. And those, those will be the more successful swing. How do you handle the exceptions to that? How do you handle the, I'm trying to think of a good example, the Willie McGee's or like these guys who don't always hit the ball hard, but are just, you know, adept at putting them in the right spot. Are guys like that slipping through the cracks in baseball these days across the game? Oh, I don't think so. Actually, I think that's a great skill of a couple of players we have, most notably Ty France. Yeah. You know, Ty has, you know, when Ty's in his best place, he is pole to pole and, and he's not a, a an EV guy. He's a, he's a feel to hit, find the open space guy. And, and I would say that's also a, a skill that Adam Frazier has when he's doing his thing. He is, you know, he's finding that open space and, you said Willie McGee, it's Ichiro in his heyday. There have always been hitters like that, and I think there always will be, especially when we get to a time, and I foresee it coming in a not-too-distant future, where ships are, are minimized and, and that hitter becomes uh, a key in your lineup more so than it is today. Apparently, this is just going to become a 1980s Cardinals show. We'll talk Willie McGee. Last week, we had uh, Jose Akindo, maybe some John Tudor next week. I don't know. We'll, we'll go through some of those 80s Cardinals. But um, So if I understand then, and just to focus more on it, it's an important tool, but it's one of many. Is that right? I mean, you've got you've to have a whole bunch of things, I would think, to like put those in the numbers like exit velocity into context with. You do, and you know, I, I will say this: that that, in as it relates to the the exit velocity and projecting future power, you can look at Julio as a great example. You know, Julio is at the lower levels was not a guy that was hitting twenty five homers a year. You know, but his his eleven homers and extreme exit velocities, even if the the trajectory of of the 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 launch wasn't ideal for home runs how hard he was hitting the ball allowed us to project the, the future power being what we see today. And, and we have others in our system right now. And in, in the Dominican Republic, we have a young hitter named Lazaro Montes who has a very similar, you know, high end EV and, and, and we can see that coming. And, and just that one tool is, is very valuable and you can pull it off, but you know, there are certainly other things that contribute to the full evaluation of a player but just with an exit velocity, we can predict some things. Jerry, how do you do your job in a sport where Albert Pujols, who struggled for however many years, can have the best OPS in the league since the All-Star break? How do you predict this sport? 
You can't. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you do the best you can, and uh, and and understand that as I guess as as a life skill, none of us are great at predicting the future. <laughs> it's uh, you're just trying, and and that's why you rely on on the tools that we rely on, and and try to consider sample size as a as a real thing. If if you have a process and you stick to that process and you believe in these things, and history says that this is the way it will turn out. Then you just keep on plugging, and and over short periods of time, uh, you will see anomalies. And and I will also say this about a player like Albert Pujols, you know, or others that that we've seen through the years. When you are talking about the greatest of the great, and you know, Albert is Mount Rushmore of this generation and, and major league hitter. Uh, those guys have a knack for being able to figure it out in short bursts, even in their their latter years, and and they're able to to find ways. To, to be productive and drive in the big run, especially when they're emotionally high because of a team's success. And, and that's right now, what's ha- I think what's happening with the Cardinals. They're, they're playing great baseball and, and Albert's part of driving it. Hey, we, we, we came across a, um, a projection that someone did for Julio and his career. They ran like 15 different projections of what his career could be. And found that, you know, in his average career, he would become a top 10 home run hitter of all time. And in some of the better versions of his career, he would hit more than a thousand home runs. Does that seem in the realm of the possible? Uh, It seems high to me, (laughs) but, you know, mostly because it's considerably more than anyone else has ever hit. (laughs) But, you know, it is a self-selecting class when you get, you know, the the 20 and 21 year old major leaguers who hit the ground running with that kind of physical skill set. We can look back even in our own history with guys like, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez back in the day. And and when you see them piling up those numbers at 20, 21 years old, it's even in, in Junior's case, 19, you can dream about what the high end looks like. And I'm not sure there is, you know, a limit to how long you can dream, especially in an age where home runs are happening more frequently than they did in, in the days of Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle. Hey, what do you think of the Los Bomberos thing? Yeah, I, there's, it's fun. It's fun. And I, I, I think the, the fact that somebody is, is you know, noticing our bullpen guys is the most important thing to me. I, you know, I, I guess I'll, on some level I'm going to get used to the, to the fire engine sound. <laughs> but the, <laughs> I, I love when they come in the game. And, you know, it's, uh, they, they've done a wonderful job, and it's not just a, a passing thing. They've been this way for, you know, two-plus years now, and they're such a, a foundational piece of our team. And, and I do like the fact that, that we as an organization or our community is, is drawing attention to that group because I think they deserve it. We're going to draw a little more attention because we're talking to Matt Festa here in about 10 minutes since you guys have an early game today. Um, he's had an incredible career turnaround. What do you think is behind it? Uh, confidence. And it, it's crazy how it, trust in yourself is maybe the key ingredient and for any player, truly. But relievers who have a breaking ball like Matt has, and, you know, Matt's not the hardest thrower on our staff, but he has fastball ride. And, you know, he has an impact slider. And he always has. He had an impact slider when he was in rookie ball. And he's always had that pitch. And and right now, it's as good as it's ever been. It was evident in spring training that that he had it. And, you know, in spring training, we saw, you know, the arm strength that that Matt had prior to his injury 
returns and, and he even added a little and what he's been able to do with the, you know, with full health and the command of really one of what I think is one of the better sliders in the league. He's turned it into, uh, he's turned it into what should now be, you know, a, an impact run at the major league level, which excites us. And I know it excites him. He was a, a draft pick of yours, right? It was that your first year, the 2016 draft. Yeah. Matt was actually what the first, uh, our first, you know, that my, group here with the with the Mariners he was our first draft pick to reach the major leagues uh he was our sixth rounder in 2016 and and uh and he rose pretty quickly you know there was a year in there where he was our minor league pitcher of the year which as a reliever coming through the minors is pretty tough to do and and he shot up pretty quick and then obviously he he suffered the injury that he did but since he's come back and and this year is his first full healthy season back he's showing us all the things that we saw three years ago when he was when he was last fully healthy and contributing uh, at the minor league level. All right. Well, we're going to talk to him in about 10 minutes. Last thing or two here for you. Uh, one thing that has stood out recently, and, and again, it was not what anyone expected when he first arrived, is the defense you guys have gotten at third base from Eugenio Suarez. Uh, he made a play yesterday that was just dynamite, knocking that ball down, looking the runner back. You mentioned having the infield in and then and then throwing a first. How How impressed have you been with his defense specifically? His overall game, you know, Gino does a lot of things on the field, but his defense has been far more than we could have anticipated. And largely because somehow you have to try to view Gino as a third baseman after watching him play shortstop for, you know, for over a year. And, and, you know, Gino wasn't a shortstop. You know, he, he may have been 10, 12 years ago in the, in the minor leagues with the Tigers but he's played third base and he's played good third base throughout his career. And, and I think the easy thing to do with a player who was entering his thirties, who had, you know, a shaky year defensively transitioning to shortstop is to write him off as a good third baseman. But what we've seen is he's just doing the things at third base that he's always done. And, and uh, I know he came into spring training and very quickly, like so many of our infielders uh, embraced what Perry Hill does and how he does it. and, and as a result, I think he took a step forward and, and, you know, his, his, his arm strength, the, the, the consistency of his hands and gloves are, uh, are real standouts. And I, and I'll say too, like he's a smart base runner and, and he'll, he will, he'll take his, he is the three true outcomes guy. He's going to, he'll punch out some, but he's going to take his walks and he hits the ball out of the ballpark. He's been a, he's been a really key player for us throughout the year well he's been a lot of fun too i hear he's great in the clubhouse fun to watch uh for sure jerry uh i love this conversation thanks for doing it with me this has been a lot of fun and uh i don't know if you heard but uh, brock is returning so when we do this not next week but the week after tuesday the 6th or that week so what thursday the 8th uh brock will be here too so i'm sorry to disappoint you but you'll have to talk to brock as well I will emotionally prepare for this moment. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Spend a couple of weeks preparing, and by then you'll be ready. I'll talk to you next week. All right, guys.